Hello and welcome to the Fit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Jackie Lindahl. I am a mom of two, an avid coffee drinker, and a certified personal trainer. I have been in the fitness industry for nearly 10 years, and I help women get fit, strong, and lose weight without losing their damn minds. If you're looking for help on achieving your health, weight loss, and fitness goals without all the fitness industry confusion and BS, you have come to the right place. Welcome back to the Fit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Jackie. I am your host. Today I am joined by Bailey Lau from Bailey Lau Fitness. How's it going, Bailey? Super good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I wanted to chat with you today about, because you are a fellow personal trainer um, from also the Edmonton area. And yeah, I just thought that just kind of getting to know you a little bit more, that it would be great for us to chat about you know, your own experiences in the fitness industry as a trainer and also just being in the fitness industry in your own journey, as well as we could chat about just women in general, strength training, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, how's that sound? Yeah, all the things. (laughs) So I thought first off, I would love for you to introduce yourself, you know, tell me a little bit about your journey and what you, where kind of you started and what led you here and how you got into training and all that stuff. Yes, let's take the longest route possible. Uh, okay, okay, I like it. Um, <laughs> so I, as a lot of people, played a lot of sports as a kid. My mom put me in absolutely everything. Uh, and then when I got into high school, um, I started getting a little bit more competitive, narrowed down on soccer and volleyball. Um, she took me to lots of workout classes. I don't know if anyone's heard of Kango Jumps. Uh, yes. It was like the moon boot class. It was pretty intense cardio, but anyway, so I went to those with her. She took me to Zumba Zumba classes. Fitness was really important to her. Um, So, yeah, she was a big part in me sort of taking this route, even unknowingly. Um, After I graduated from high school, I went in to get my kinesiology degree, um, and I played soccer in university for the university there. Um, Yeah, which was awesome. This was not my first interaction with a trainer because I also trained with someone um, in high school just to sort of get me ready for a season. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so this this team trainer, you know, she was in charge of making sure that people weren't playing through injuries, um, off season, strength and conditioning, stuff like that. So that was my first sort of real programming that I was to follow. And of course, it was pretty intense. Uh, she intended it to be that way, right? Of, of course. I bet know. being a high-level athlete like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty intense. Um, but yeah, I definitely learned a lot from that. And then, of course, kinesiology is more of a stepping stone degree. I don't know a whole lot of people I graduated with that do that as their profession. Um, anyway, after I graduated, I went on to uh, work as a physiotherapist aide. I hated it. I worked oh, no. six months. It was sort of a relationship where the physios would just kind of hand off everything they didn't want to do. I wasn't helping anyone directly. I wasn't fulfilling at all. You know, oh. terrible pay, terrible hours. It was just, it wasn't fun. So That's I actually, disappointing. Yeah, right? Uh, even after a four-year degree, I was like, why, why would I do this? So <laughs> um, I actually fell into personal training by accident. It was not in my plan at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just started applying to like whatever would take a kines degree. And it mm-hmm. ended up being this commercial gym that I worked for for two and a half years. Um, it's not that I had a bad experience there or anything, um, but I'm sure as you know, it's just 
it is a lot more fulfilling to run your own business. Yeah. Um, it's easier to grow that way, all mm -hmm. that stuff. Um, so yeah, and I guess maybe a little bit of extra background. I still played soccer up until about a year ago when I tore my ACL. Um, and I have been rehabbing that. And you know what, actually going through a serious injury like that, and then of course the surgery that inevitably I had to go through to get back to soccer, um, it's opened my eyes as a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit more sympathy, empathy, um, compassion. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten, you know, I've gotten pretty good at working around injuries, even in my clients' programs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just kind of thrown at you all at once. So crap, now I can't do this. Now I can't do that. And you sort of need to work around things. Um, so even though I did not enjoy it, and I wouldn't <laughs> recommend. I've been there. <laughs> right? Um, it, yeah, it's it's taught me a lot. Yeah. It really, it really does. And I 100% want to hear all about your ACL journey. You mentioned a couple of things where like, you know, your mom getting you really into fitness and stuff like that. And you said it wasn't necessarily intentional with her. Is she just a super active person and it was just a part of her life? Like, is that how it just integrated onto you? Yeah, definitely. Um, she, she was always into fitness and she is now too. And it wasn't until I moved into the strength coach sort of uh, part of my fitness journey and my job um and now she's she started lifting more weights and you know she's in she's at the age where she's going through perimenopause moving into menopause um and so my influence you know i got the influence from her to take care of my body exercise is good for you for you your body and your mind um, <laughs> your relationships and stuff and now she's learned from me that strength training is really important. She actually just got herself a squat rack, like an actual squat rack for her home gym, which is awesome. You know, she can lift more yeah. weights. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. I love that you inspired her so much to actually start lifting and like, does she still do like the kangoo and the Zumba and all that kind of stuff? No, she does. She likes yoga, yeah. um, but her focus yeah, is strength training. That's amazing. I love that so much. I love how she even like went as far as to get her own squat rack and everything for her own home gym. Yeah. That. Well, she came over, we bought a couple of pieces of equipment. She came over and I trained her um, yeah. for an hour and uh, she didn't realize how much she could lift when she didn't have to grab her bar from the floor and press it over her head uh, mm -hmm. and then get into a, a back squat. Yes. And, and definitely also the decreased risk of injury. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Big time decreased risk of injury when you can set up your squat and stuff properly with an actual squat rack and not like heave it over your head onto your shoulders. Yeah. And even the fact that now she has safety arms for her bench press, mm -hmm. she sort of got into, and what a lot of people do is they don't want to lift too heavy when they're alone, uh, just in case they yeah. get stuck near the bar, which is a, which is a real thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice having, I call them the holy shit handles. <laughs> I know yeah, that's what they're actually called, but that's what I call them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so are you still playing soccer or is your soccer career kind of on hiatus while you're still rehabbing your knee? Yeah. So I'm six months post-op. Um, there's lots of deaths around ACL and returning to sport. And I'm not going to go over them because I'm not an expert. I'm just going through it with, with my physio, with his guidance. Um, but I'm definitely not going to go back until at least month 10. 
And I mm -hmm. think what I recommend is, is 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's actually get right into it. Tell me, tell me your ACL journey, because I also like, I don't know how much you've seen on my socials and it's been a long time since I've gone through mine, but I also went through an ACL journey call it as well. But I would, so I love talking knee injuries. <laughs> so tell me all about it. What happened? Yeah. Totally relatable too, right? Lots of people have knee issues. Oh, um, it was, so it was indoor soccer season. Of course, this happened in February. Um, just like one random turn. It felt like someone had kicked me. My knees were extended, collapsed in. I fell over. Um, my coach insisted, you know, I stay on the ground. I didn't, I think I let out like one yelp, like, ah, sort of as a kind of surprise, but there was no pain, mm -hmm. which is kind of why I stayed a little bit delusional for a while is because I was like, I'm not hurt. Mm -hmm. My knee just isn't doing what I want it to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, so I saw the physio that, and whatever, three days later, and he said, Bailey, I think you tore your ACL. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. I, I got up, they did air squats, um, yeah. walked to the change room, drove home that day. I was like, no, you're, you're wrong. Um, I'm not hurt. Like, it'll go away. Mm -hmm. And then after a few days being like, he's actually, um, that's his specialty is ACLR. Um, mm -hmm. I was like, uh, you know, maybe he has a little bit. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> maybe his expertise is valid here. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. Um, I think it was just I didn't want it to be happening. So that's why I stayed in that for so long. Um, and then, of course, the MRI came and then it was a complete ACL tear. There was nothing else that went into it, mm -hmm. which is probably why there was no pain. Associated no meniscus or anything like that involved. No. Yeah. And I will say, you know, through my journey, um, I, I did get lucky, you know, the fact that it happened, it was a complete ACL tear, nothing else went with it. Um, the surgery went well, I've been recovering, you know, at a decent pace. Um, and I've learned things along the way. So if it had to happen, you know, I'm, I'm glad that there weren't complications or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so I waited a few months for surgery that was back in while well, I had my surgery. I had to take time off of in-person training, which I hated yeah bored at home right doing physio <laughs> that's it <laughs> oh i was consistent though i was like if yeah if i'm going to be a good example and if i want to get better and get back to playing sports and being functional, um mm -hmm. i gotta do what he's telling me to do obviously yep. the expert mm -hmm. he knows what he's talking about he's got to get done otherwise i'm not going to get better and then what kind of example am i setting for clients and people that i yeah. work with a hundred percent. Definitely. Where, if you don't mind me asking, where did you go for physio? No, that's okay. He's, uh, he's pretty good. So of course I, if anyone's in the area, I would go see Brendan. Um, so his company is called return to performance, but he actually works under Orca now. Um, oh, okay. Located in Sherwood park. Nice. That's awesome. And did you have surgery in Edmonton? I actually, so the surgeon is from Edmonton, but he does some, uh, some of his days in Leduc. So I actually had the yeah. surgery there. Gotcha. and pass going all the way downtown for a surgery like, no. yeah no that's very very fair i think when i had my surgery the initial surgery was supposed to be in, in leduc as well and then when it had to get rebooked um i had it in edmonton yeah 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So how did you find the surgery and all that kind of stuff? Because like, I know from my experience and you probably felt the same way, like it's so interesting. You spend so much time on prehab when it comes to your ACL injury and building up muscle and building up your hamstring and all that kind of stuff. And then when you have surgery, it's so interesting to me how your muscles just, they're just vanished. Like they're gone. And like, then you literally start from square zero rebuilding all of these muscles that you just spent building prehabbing. So how did you find that process? You know what? The most annoying part for me was that um, during prehab, I didn't have any pain. Like as long as my knee wasn't swollen and it wasn't reacting in that way uh, and there wasn't fluid buildup or whatever, I could just keep progressing, keep getting better. And after the surgery, that wasn't the case. Like, of course, they give you pain medication for after the surgery for like a, the, the week or two afterward, mm-hmm. um, which was cool, uh, you know, because I didn't have to be <laughs> agony the whole time. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, after surgery, it has been a way different game because, mm-hmm. you know, I hadn't I didn't lose any strength um, after I tore my ACL, right, because mm-hmm. I would still move uh, and it wasn't. It wasn't a, the amount of time in between me being able to strength train to the degree that I was doing um, before I got hurt. Right. So that, that gap between um, not being able to use the muscle to the degree that I was using it before uh, was a lot shorter than after my surgery, where mm-hmm. I, you just can't jump back into it. No, not at all. That's for sure. Even walking. <laughs> well, I was kind of stubborn. Um, I was walking... I was putting full weight on my leg the day. Wow. Were you really? That's incredible. That's awesome. Uh, the painkillers helped, of course. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, I was really stubborn about it. Um, yeah. And it's not like it, it pushed me back. I wasn't I wasn't a complete idiot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was hurting more than it was supposed to be hurting, I was like, okay, Bailey, dial it back. You know, listen to your body, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, I did get, I did well. Um, I think I had initially, of course, that the quad kind of just stops working because of the way that it does. Work. Yeah, isn't that so weird? <laughs> well, yeah. it, it makes sense, but um, it, it it does. It definitely does. But I remember like one of the first things that my physio was was like, you got to get those quad muscles firing again. And honestly, like that mind to muscle connection was gone like I might as well have been trying to levitate my tv because like it just like, like it's not working <laughs> yeah exactly um the nice thing about Brendan is that because this is his specialty um he said go get a muscle stim machine um I also my mom bought me a cryo cuff which was super helpful I iced my knee six times a day for the first three weeks yeah I did one, too which I- to sit with an ice pack on and to have it melt six times a day you know how irritating that would have been (laughs) it is it definitely is where you feel like you're constantly just sitting under an ice pack i loved the ice pack though because it helps so much with the pain um after surgery like it was just like yes give me all the ice (laughs) yeah it was a better sensation than it just like feels hot and swollen yes and so like my leg was just a cylinder all the way down to my calf it is is. yeah was it also super pink because mine was like where they put like the dye on or whatever my legs were like pink for weeks <laughs> no i didn't get that um do you mind how many years ago was your surgery in 2016 
So coming on eight years ago now. Yeah. And then I had a, I had both legs done in 2016 because like you, I had no pain after I tore my ACL. So I continued training jujitsu and kickboxing and all these things. And then I had my surgery booked. And then two weeks before my surgery, I went for one last jujitsu class and I tore my other ACL and my surgeon was not happy with me. So we had to rebook it and then do both legs at the same time. We didn't have to do two legs at the same time. She gave me the choice and I was like, no, we're just, if we're going to do this once, we're going to get her done. And yeah, it sucked. Wow. It totally sucked. <laughs> and then in 2018, I tore my meniscus and then I had to get that removed. And since then, knock on wood, <laughs> they've been okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. That's the kind of thing too. Um, a lot of people tear their ACL when they're quite young, because that's usually when you're at the highest level of your sport. Um, yeah. So what is it like? Usually around the age of 16 to 20 or whatever. Again, yeah. I'm not going to give statistics because this isn't my area of expertise. But um, I didn't tear mine until I was 27. Mm-hmm. After I had played uh, the college level. Yeah. I was just I'm I play women's div one like it's not yeah. even. It's it's still competitive, but it's not super super intense. Yeah, and, and it like, is literally just like the weirdest wrong movement, and it's just like gone. Yeah, it's insane. She gives up, and then <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always joke that the knee is literally the stupidest design joint because it's like we're gonna hold up your entire leg with just like a couple of strings that tear mm-hmm. very easily, and if you turn the wrong way, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we can move on from the ACL. I could honestly do a whole podcast on just ACL injuries alone because I just, I don't know why I'm, I feel like such a nerd about it now. But anyways, we can kind of move on past this. One thing I did also want to bring up is I see your puppies on your Instagram all the time. So tell me about your dogs. My dogs. Um, Ray, actually his birthday is today, January 30th. Happy birthday, Ray. He's seven years old. Um, yeah, of course, we, we got him as a puppy. And he's a, a beagle cross with a pug. Oh, my God. And he is a couple couple tens of pounds overweight. <laughs> <laughs> As every beagle and pug cross in the world has ever been. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I want him to live a long time. And, of course, you know, dogs, if they're overweight, it mm-hmm. sort of shortens their lifespan. So I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to work on it, but the, the breed isn't helping me at all. Um, and then Lulu, she's a rescue. She's a boxer mix. They think it's Mastiff, but she's kind of small for that. Um, and we got her two years ago, and they said, I th- so I think she's she's either four or five right now, because I think they said she was, they thought she was two or three when they got her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's super funny. I love how you talk about the beagle pug mix because yeah, like every beagle and every pug. I used to be a vet tech and in my former career, every beagle and every pug would be like an overweight. It's just what they are. It's like labs. Labs are the same way. They're just prone to obesity. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. Yes. Yes. That's very true. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about like your coaching and what clients you work with, how you help them, what kind of, I guess, like things do they find are some of their biggest obstacles and stuff like that? Tell me a little bit about the coaching side of things and how that's been. Yeah. Well, like I mentioned before, I'm a strength coach. Um, so that's what me and my clients work on. If people want to be strong, you know, they train with me. Um, I have a lot of really strong clients and they, they come from all walks of life. Like there's lots of different areas that I work with, but my niche is 
um, you know, 30 to 50 year old women that work physically demanding jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that includes things like, you know, nurses, of course. How many nurses do you know that have had back pain their whole lives because of their job? 100%. Um, nurses, uh, tradeswomen, lots of labor jobs in that, that industry. Um, yeah, so anyone, and I mean, even if a massage therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Like their job is still somewhat physically demanding, and I guess it depends. Very. Yeah. How used to it you are, um, how many clients you see a day. Um, but anyway, yeah. So the idea is to make them strong outside of work, so that work is just that much easier. I love that. And do they usually come to you in? They already work out, but they really want to get strong, or is it like generally no experience with strength training, and you're introducing it to them and helping them along that? Um, I mean, both. I do have a lot of people that that come from scratch and they're like, okay, you know, I'm having this pain. Uh, I can't fix it on my own. I've seen physio, you know, they give you so much help. And then, um, I mean, depending on how good they are at their job, they just don't transition you into strength training a lot of the time, um, which is kind of unfortunate and they don't refer you out. Um, but that's just kind of how the industry is working right now. Yeah. It's headed in the right direction, I will say. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, I do have clients that have that. And then I have other ones where, yeah, they've been lifting, but they just aren't pushing themselves hard enough. So yeah, kind of just comes to an end. Yeah, for sure. And that usually is something that I find quite often too with clients who are already working out or even they start strength training, but they don't understand how much to push themselves and to really get themselves outside of their comfort zone. So how do you kind of help edge them outside of that comfort zone? where they kind of want to, you know, stay comfortable. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you pay attention to a lot of my Instagram, but it's me kind of just being mean to people. <laughs> <laughs> I love your ones where it was, I can't remember one of the ones recently, but it was like your client wanting to like, in, or your client saying something about increasing the weight. And you're like, yeah, too bad. <laughs> but did you die? Yes. That's the one. It was like, did you die? Too bad. Yeah. That's how that's how I train my clients. I'm like, you hired me to help you. Um, I'm telling you that that was on the easy side, and that if you want to get better, you got to lift more weight. And of course, like I said, you know, with my injury and stuff, I, I work around stuff like that. I'm not going to force someone through pain because that's yes. not that's not going to get us where we want to go. It's actually going to be counterproductive. Um, and I do have compassion, you know, lots of people have good days, lots of people have bad days, but if I'm noticing that a client is having a good day, but they just want to stay and coast, that's when I'm a little bit like, come on, you know, you know, you can do better. Let's, yeah, yeah but me, then you'll, then you'll yeah. get better. That's where when they get a drink of water, you slyly switch out the dumbbells without saying yeah. anything. And you're like, Hey, lift mm-hmm. the weight now. And you say, Oh, how did that feel? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Another portion, part of that is also educating on them on what actually feels heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of people, you know, they'll do a set of 10. The first rep is the same speed as the last rep, which means yeah. that it was nowhere near failure. And a lot of people don't know that. They think, oh, if I'm working, um, I'll feel it. And even if you get that burn, that doesn't mean that you're at your, your strength capacity, right? It's yeah. when that rep takes you four to six seconds to get done that you're actually getting close enough to failure and that you're going to see those strength progresses. Yeah. That's a really good way to describe like reaching failure because a lot of people, when they think failure, they think like they literally cannot lift another 
rep, but it's like, it's getting that, um, not necessarily meeting that point, but approaching it and understanding like how to approach it in a safe manner. But then also that it's a good thing to push yourself to that heart, that level of hard. Yeah, exactly. And you'd be surprised. I mean, I mean, not you, but other people would be surprised at, um, even after a person has been lifting weights in the gym for even five years, they'll come and see a personal trainer. Um, and I'll say, Oh, that looked pretty smooth. Like we can still do more. I use the word smooth instead of easy. Cause they say, ah, oh, that wasn't easy. And then they get mad at me. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah. Yeah. That's a very good way of, of phrasing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it doesn't make them feel like they're not pushing hard enough because it is still hard. Um, it's just that it, if we want to progress in terms of strength, it's got to be closer to failure. Like yeah. that's how your body's it needs that in order to react and to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even like with ourselves, I find with myself, I know that I don't push myself as hard as I could. And definitely working out with another trainer, you do, you push yourself so much harder. Like I worked out with, um, like I had another trainer when I first started training that I was working out with, we would do a workout just here and there together. And yeah, he would push me significantly harder than I would ever push myself. And I thought in my mind that I was pushing myself, but obviously like I was pussyfooting around it a hundred percent. Yeah. You know what? I, um, I actually, I hired an online coach, um, yeah. a power lifter. So she's really good at programming things around, you know, RPE and mm-hmm. back off sets and a, a bunch of stuff. Um, and so she'll just tell me, she'll put in a weight that she thinks that I should be doing for whatever. And it's not, I'm not doing one rep maxes all the time. Um, yeah. or anything like that, but, uh, cause that's not super safe. Um, <laughs> anyway, she'll put in a weight in there and I'm like, ugh, I don't know if I can do that. I try anyway, cause it's written down and that's just kind of, that's how my brain works. If it's written down, you gotta at least try. Yeah. Um, and she put in the work to, to put it in there and to, and to put that work in. Um, so I try it. And then most of the time I can do it. And I mean, if you can't, then you just write it in there. Try again next time or whatever. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I found helpful is that um, I record my sets a lot of the times, especially Mm -hmm. things like bench press where you're like, ooh, I don't know if I could have gotten one more. You watch the video back and you're like, no, I could have gotten three more. Just, you know, judging by how fast it was moving and whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a very, very good point is, and I feel like a lot of people, they think that recording themselves when they're working out is such a vanity thing, but it's not, it really helps with like improving your technique, seeing how hard you're pushing yourself and, and those kinds of things. And it makes you better. Um, It's a very underrated thing that not enough people utilize. Yeah. And I mean, of course, most of the time I put that stuff on Instagram because that's how I run my business, right? That's how I connect with people. Um, It's kind of part of my job. Um, But a lot of the times, the reason that I'm recording it is to see, you know, should I have done one more and maybe my next set, I should go up and wait or whatever. Yeah. Um, Or was that as hard as I was thinking it was, you know? Mm hmm. Oh, no, absolutely. It's yeah, like I said, it's a very good way of being objective when you're looking at your own exercises. And then oftentimes you catch a lot of holes in your own training or your form or whatever. You're like, Oh, I definitely had a lot more rounded back than I thought I did on that deadlift or that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't say looking into the mirror, especially if you're looking sideways into the mirror, not super beneficial. Definitely not because you're like creaking your neck and everything. And Yeah. yeah. I use yeah. it form if you're too busy trying to look at yourself in the mirror. Um, yeah. To watch for things. Yeah. Just, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with you where, yeah, it's better to just video it or go by feel or whatever. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Or hire a trainer. Or hire a trainer. That's <laughs> what we're here for. <laughs> I thought that we would talk about, like, um, I guess, get into the general of women and strength training and why it's so important and how it's so beneficial for everyday life. And I guess some of the stigmas and stuff that are still surrounding it. Like, I feel like the fitness industry and women's fitness especially is has made quite a transition especially over the last five years into more strength training and you know training for everyday life and all that kind of stuff but yeah tell me a little bit about like what you see or what you have seen in your journey whether it was with yourself or with clients or whatever it might be like with women in strength training why it's so important anything that you've seen still come up in the gym as far as stigmas or resistance from clients or anything like that yeah I mean, I will say for myself, I, I went through that phase where, oh, I don't want to be too bulky and got to do reps above 12 um, for every set. And I was a cardio fiend, um, but that was mostly because of my sport. Like mm -hmm. soccer is very endurance based, obviously. There's a lot of running involved. So I did a lot of that stuff and I, I lifted really lightweight because, um, yeah, I thought that too. I don't want to be bulky. And I mean, mm -hmm. It doesn't happen overnight, and of course, I've learned that. Um, yeah. and things that, even though people like you and me are pushing really hard for women to not think like that, um, it's still there. It's still a myth that exists. Um, and I will say, it's the older generations I think that have more of an issue with that because, like you said, things are changing. Um, people are becoming you know, more aware that strength training is good for you and that you're not going to become bulky overnight. Like that doesn't just happen by accident. Yeah, it literally does not happen by accident. I've been trying to do it accidentally for years. <laughs> yeah. My client came with me the other day. She's like, I'm, I'm waiting for this accidental bulky thing to happen. Like, is it? And I was like, okay, well, very funny. Um, she's been yeah. strength training with me for, for years now. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she said to me the other day, she said, uh, I really, I really appreciate my muscles. So thank you for that, Bailey. She said it makes it so much easier to go to work and not have to ask people for help because she, she works in the trains. Yeah. Um, she's got to carry this like huge piece of machinery up onto scaffolding. Uh, I think she said it's like 50 or 70 pounds. Mm -hmm. No way would you be able to do that for 12 hours. Not straight, of course, but you know, not an intense job like that if you weren't, if you weren't lifting weights. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I think that's kind of the underrated thing is that people don't think about how much easier it makes your everyday life. Like just being stronger, even like, yeah, clients will tell me the same thing about like being able to pick up their kids or even for me, it's, you know, I live on an acreage now. I do a lot of chores and that kind of stuff. And it just makes it so much easier. Like it's not, you know, yeah. All of these kinds of things, it makes everyday life better. Yeah. And, um, independent too, you know, especially yeah, that to help you yes for sure yeah like your like your client mentioned like being able to just get her job done and not have to ask for so much help to be able to lift things or hold things or whatever it is because yeah there is a lot of that in the trades where you're having to lift and carry and you know yeah. be in awkward positions while you're doing stuff and yeah it just makes it everyday life easier yeah definitely yeah and i do agree with you you mentioned like a lot of the stigma is still surrounding it because I was very much the same way as you. When I first started, I was like cardio bunny, even though I hate cardio. And like, I was afraid to get bulky. I was afraid to gain muscle mass thinking, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. What was I thinking? I don't know. But 
how like a lot of our generation, the views on strength training and stuff like that has thankfully changed. But yeah, there is still the older generations that definitely have that mindset. And I mean, you know, not all of them, definitely. I give them that it's not all of them, but it is that mindset of, you know, changing from cardio bunny to strength training is difficult. Yeah. Well, that's the issue though, is that you don't know unless you know, like someone's got to tell you that's, yeah. that's the only thing that they're seeing in media um, of all kinds is that women are supposed to be small. And, um, and then you see some athletes that purposefully dedicate their lives to looking the way they're looking. And then whenever someone has an opinion on them being bulky, Oh, well, I don't want to look like that. Well, it's not, that's not your body. You don't have to, but that doesn't mean that they didn't put in a shit ton of work to get to look like that. And yeah. sometimes it's for their sport. Have you mm -hmm. seen the bodies of sprinters? Like yes. Yes. Or like Serena, I always think of like Serena and Venus Williams, like professional top level world tennis players. And they are athletes and they look like athletes and they train like athletes. Like they're not training like your everyday soccer mom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, of course, everyone has their opinions on celebrities, but someone says, you know, I don't want to look like her. And then other people are like, oh, you don't? Well, neither do I. And it sort of creates this terrible narrative that women aren't supposed to look like that. Uh, and it's not feminine and it's not attractive. And it's that's just not true. You know, and it's up to nobody except you to decide how you want to look and how you want to feel about your body. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's hard, especially like for so many generations like ours, like you think back to the early 2000s when, you know, it was like thin was in and that was the biggest thing for the longest time was everybody's goal was to just be fucking skinny. Yeah. And it didn't matter how they got to that goal. They just wanted to be skinny. And we wonder why so many women our age have eating disorders or had eating disorders as teenagers and that kind of thing. Like it's, it's alarming. It really is. Yeah. And I mean, some influencer types, they still kind of push that um, yeah. where they feel the need to be small. Um, so they kind of push it on other people, whether whether it's on purpose or not, they do because mm -hmm. they're in the eye of, you know, however many million followers. And that's what they're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it is that like it definitely it's blasted on social media and especially as young women, when you're seeing that all over the place and these people that you idolize are promoting this, you have to be thin, you have to look like this. It's no wonder why, you know, there's so many girls out there still young girls with body image issues and everything like that. Yeah. Which is why, you know, our job is so fulfilling is because we get to help them realize that how they feel and how they move is more important than what other people think about how they look. Exactly. And moving away from, you know, arbitrary numbers on the scale or the size of your clothes or whatever it is. Like the scale is a thing that I battle with a lot in that, like to me, when I look at my weight on the scale, I don't see it as a problem. Like I, the number doesn't bother me anymore, but there's so many women out there and especially like women that I work with, they look at that number and it fucking ruins their life. And that's, that's so hard. Is that something that you find that your clients sometimes battle with as well? How do you help them kind of overcome that? Um, I wouldn't say the scale is a big issue. Um, I don't, I don't take measurements like that. It's all purely, you know, about their strength and uh, how functional and fit they are that way. Um, so I can't even think of one example 
where someone has said to me something like that. Usually, you know, they might mention it off the cuff and then I say, okay, but you know, how do you feel? Yeah. Um, you know, and you were able to, to do this thing at work and that was easy. So the scale is just a data point. Exactly. Yeah. And that's usually how I would approach it with my clients. Or if I have clients who are struggling like that, where the scale is just ruining their life, like throw that fucking thing in the garbage then. Like if you cannot overcome the emotion with it, or if every time you look at it, it ruins your day, throw it in the garbage because you're now forgetting everything else that you've done. Like you said, like, how are you feeling? What are your lifts like? How are you, how's your consistency? All that kind of stuff matters so much more. Yeah. So I, one of the things that I guess um, most of my clients struggle with is we might go through a strength phase where they're hitting all these PRs, they're lifting a shit ton of weight, they're feeling really good about how strong they are, and then they might get sick or the holidays come up or something ruins their consistency um, yeah. or they're not sleeping well because they're stressed out or, you know, and there's all, all these other factors that come into play. So I think one of the, the bigger issues is that why can't I lift this? Why does this feel so heavy today? Um, and that kind of stuff is is more of what what I have to help them realize is that you know look at three years ago when we first started, mm -hmm. like you're you're lifting a couple hundred more pounds. Yeah, is that it's still big picture? You've still made progress. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely like it is looking at that big picture and not letting that workout, that one workout or that bad week, because like I find for myself and a lot of my clients, like your cycle, your menstrual cycle can affect your strength, not for every woman, but for a lot, their cycle can affect their strength or right your sleep. If you weren't feeling well last week, now your weights and stuff are down this week. Like it's, it's not a linear journey, just like anything else. No. And even I have to remind myself of that. Too. Yeah. And especially with like, you know, the ACL recovery. One week, my knee will feel great. I'll be able to do a bunch of stuff, follow all my physio to a T. And then the next week, for whatever reason, something triggers it. I stood too much at work. I walked too far with my dogs. Um, I made too big of a jump in, in trying to progress with the rehab. And then it just swelled up. And then I have to take a step back. Yeah, it's frustrating. It is definitely frustrating when that happens. And you're just like, shit, now I got to ice it and I got to do the anvil and I have to get back to doing my belt stretches and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, big picture, I'm still moving towards my target, which is getting back to soccer. Yeah. And if it takes a little bit longer because, um, you know, I'm focusing on fully recovering and not getting back too soon before I'm actually ready and then I don't get hurt again as a result of, you know, going back too early and that doesn't happen because I've looked at the big picture and I still try to progress and listen to my body when it decided that today just wasn't the day. Then I, I'm much better off than, than trying to force something because this feels like shit today. You know, exactly. why you know? Yeah. And I mean, with ACLs, the chances of re-injury, I mean, again, I'm not going to spout off statistics, but a lot of people who will have the surgery tend to re-injure themselves or they injure the other knees. So taking your rehab slow and just knowing your end goal, but also embracing your journey, that is really smart. That's something that I actually feel like I did quite wrong in my journey is I tried to rush it because I wanted to get back to jujitsu as fast as I possibly could. And then I don't think that's the reason why I tore my meniscus. It was just one of those, again, it was just a little thing, a little blip on the radar, but it did end up, it started out as a small injury. And then because I'm 
stupid. I call myself stupid, but you know what I mean? Where I just didn't stop. Then eventually I fucked it. And then I really hurt my knee again and had to get my meniscus removed. And now my left knee will never be the same. Like, you know, because I was impatient. So I think having that patience, like that is definitely smart. <laughs> and someone, you know, paying attention to you. Like I said, Brennan is an expert in this area. So um he's gonna follow me right back until I get back to soccer. It's not like a oh you're done with the bands. Okay, go lift yeah. weights. Like it's right now it's return to chaos, which is not going so great. Uh, I'm <laughs> agile, quick person to begin with. So even after learning how to walk again and all that kind of stuff, um, not the best. But then you know we move into sports specific, and then um, yeah. and then it just it sets you up better. Yeah, so, it does, right? Because then yeah, you'll be that much more prepared and your body will be ready when you're ready to return to sport. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, you know, everyone has their own situations where that same idea applies um, to someone that might be losing weight, to another person might be lifting weights in the gym, to another person it might be sport performance, uh, injury rehab, like it, it applies yeah. to, to a lot of movement situations. It it really does. Yeah. How did you find like even for yourself and for your clients and stuff like um, working around injuries and thing? What was that like for you? Or what's it like for your clients when injuries inevitably creep up because they happen to everybody? How's that been? Um, it depends on the client, right? <laughs> um, some people are okay, like they, they can understand why we have to pull back and maybe do some other exercises that would work on what might be a weakness for them. Um, you know, the rotator cuff is a common one. A lot of people don't do external rotations. Like it's just like, just like the knee, the shoulder joint is just not the best. It's um, not. <laughs> a lot of people just move throughout their day, um, putting things in positions, which they're supposed to be able to do. But then one day the body just decides we're not going to tolerate that. Yep. Right. Um, so some of them are okay with pulling back a little bit, focusing on other areas. Some of them, say, well, why can't we just do bench press today? And I'm like, because when we do bench press, you hurt your shoulder. <laughs> like, it's not work out. There's no issue with that. Mm -hmm. um, you have to work around the pain point that you have and allow it to recover. Um, it doesn't mean we have to completely avoid movements. Yeah. Uh, in general, it just means that maybe that movement isn't for us right now. Yeah. We can get, we can get back to it. You just have to be patient um, and let your shoulder heal really yeah 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 and 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 that you can work around them i think uh, some people when they get in the when they get injured they get in the mindset of they can't do anything well i'm injured i might as well sit on the couch and it's like that is honestly like the worst thing that you could do if you have an injury is do nothing it's yeah. the worst thing that you can do not just for your physical health but also for your mental health to do nothing yeah exactly and it's not like you know if you have if you have a knee injury and i mean ACL also follows this is that it, not moving your knee is not going to help. Exactly. No, yeah. Don't do things that cause excruciating pain. That's counterproductive. Um, but you still have to move it. Mm -hmm. You still have to have the muscles around it to support the joint. Yeah. And um, that's what they do in the prehab where you strengthen all the muscles around the joint to help it after the surgery uh, to recover better. Then you're in a better spot. And it's just like the shoulder. You don't have to not use that arm until it feels better. Because then when, it, when you go to use it again, if it's an overuse injury, it's just going to come back. Exactly. Right. We have to work around it. Well, it's like a fine line where you have to walk on 
we want to strengthen everything, but we don't want it to cause pain. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of that final line of, you know, moving it enough in a range of motion that's comfortable, that doesn't cause pain um, while still strengthening it, and movements that don't cause pain. Even tempo has a lot to do with that. Sometimes just moving slightly too fast in a movement um, would cause pain, whereas moving nice and controlled and slow in that movement wouldn't. Um, yeah. so it's kind of just like finding that balance between we still need to move it so that it can um, strengthen and stay yeah. strong and, and rehab, um, but we don't want to just not move it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that has been something that's changed over the last like 10 to 15 years as well, because the old adage used to be rice. When you hurt yourself, you riced it, right? You rest it, ice it, elevate it, and you compression and whatever the fuck it is. Anyways, um, and it used to be like you do nothing. You hurt yourself, you do nothing with that leg. Whereas, yeah, it's changed now where it's like you need to move it. You need to work it within your comfortable ranges of motion. You have to strengthen because otherwise you're right. It's just going to get hurt again. And uh, I mean, you know, the the science has changed. We just need the public and everybody else to kind of change along with it. <laughs> yeah, we need to have the right people educating the public. That's the thing. Yes. Um, what's kind of funny about the rice thing is that in soccer, the first thing the referees do when someone gets down with an injury is they say, do you need an ice bag? And so when I fell down, I thought it was just a mild knee sprain. Like I thought she had just kicked me. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, I, I realized that ice has its place in some spots. But yes. Ref came over and he was like, do you want an ice bag? And I yelled at him. I was like, no, ice, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that's kind of, like that's the immediate thing is to just reduce swelling. Yeah. And, and you know, studies are showing that swelling has a, a physiological point. Purpose, um, yeah. Right? It's, so if you're doing it um, when it's not super necessary, you could be slowing the progress or, or the recovery ability mm -hmm. of, of whatever's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like your body's doing it for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting how the science has changed. I'm curious to see like what will come about in the next, you know, 10 to 15 years coming from now, now that people are kind of changing their protocols around injuries and stuff, like how it's going to progress from here and just get better. But yeah, like, I mean, as annoying as swelling and stuff is, I mean, I battled with fluid in my knee for like three years on and off because it would go away and it would come back and go away and come back where yeah, it is annoying, but it's also, that was what my physiotherapist would tell me is like, it's serving a purpose. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I want it gone. So I can go back to jujitsu and hurt yeah. myself again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this has been good. Um, I guess I wanted to do like some kind of fun rapid fire questions to finish us off um, really quick. Are you down for that? Yeah, hit me. They're just like silly, just a few questions. So tell me your favorite TV show right now. Uh, it is and will always be The Office. Ooh, nice. I like that. Okay, next one is, do you have a guilty pleasure TV show? Like a trashy TV show that you don't want anybody to know that you're watching, but you're going to announce it publicly on a podcast that you're watching it? Yeah, great idea. Um, you know what? I don't really like reality TV. Um, I don't know. I don't really have one for that. That's fair. That's fair. Minus, <laughs> that's okay. Mine. I'll, I'll I'll say mine. Minus sister wives. Don't ask me why. <laughs> hey, entertainment. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Uh, vanilla. Nice. Uh, when you're working out, do you do podcast or music? Music. Good choice. Pull-ups or bench press? 
bench press. I thought you were going to say pull-ups because I've been watching your pull-ups so much on Instagram and I'm super I'm jealous. So mad of them. At them, I'm mad at pull-ups right now. How come? Because they're just not moving like they were, they were last summer. It's just oh, annoying. That is and funny. it happens, right? But it, yeah, so I'm just, no, That's not pull-ups. I got it. Okay. Summer or winter? Winter. Really? Really. Interesting. Tell me why. Well, I mean, not that I can this year, but I, I do snowboard. Yeah. We're going to miss the season, which is fine because the snow this year has been trash. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. haven't been out once this year. I'm hoping to go out here soon, but like all the snow is now melting. I Wait, think I missed the like, boat. Yeah. Plus nine right here right now. Ridiculous. Yeah. In January. in January, right at the end of January, which is abnormal for Alberta. <laughs> and it's 42 weeks ago. Like, come on. I know. It was insanity. Total yeah. insanity. I'm surprised that you said winter. But yes, I could definitely understand. We got back into snowboarding for the first time in like 10 years last year. And I forgot how much I, I sucked at it. But be how much I liked it, even if I do suck. <laughs> yeah, maybe a whole day of it, a weekend even. Yeah, yeah. So we're hoping to make it to the mountains here in the next couple of weeks. But I don't like if the snow melts, I guess that's just we're done. We don't have a season this year. No, that's maybe okay. We'll snow in March. Who knows? April. You know what? We might. It might get hammered at the end of the season. We might have a snowy Easter, which is ironic because we did not have a snowy Christmas. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Bailey, tell me a little bit about, um, I guess, like your training and stuff right now. Are you accepting clients? What kind of things you have going on? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I do in-person training. I don't have any openings for that right now, um, but I do have openings for online coaching for one-on-one. -on -one. Awesome. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about, um, do you have any specific programs, uh, just accepting clients currently? Yeah. I mean, if you want to be strong, let me know that that's my forte. That's the thing I like yeah. to, to work with people the most. So yeah, if, if someone's interested in online coaching, definitely hit me up on Instagram. Instagram is the best place to find you. Definitely. Okay. And it's at Bailey Lau fit, right? You got it. LAU for Lau. I will also post it in the show notes for um, for this as well and as well as uh, the description on YouTube. Um, yeah, do you have a website or anything like that? Uh, yes. <laughs> but again, if you, you want to contact me, Just go Instagram. to Instagram. Okay. Yeah. okay, I can definitely do that. I will post that on Instagram. Well, thank you so much, Bailey. I really appreciate you coming on here and I look forward to chatting with you again.